God is good. Hallelujah. All right. How many came to receive today? Praise the Lord. Well, then put 1 John chapter 5 on the board, if you will. 1 John and 5. We have, uh, at least in my time on the Sunday services, of course, I seems like I've been away for a while, but, uh, but uh, my time uh, on Sundays has been ministering on being an overcomer. Amen. This is the year of the overcomer. Praise God. So we're overcomers. Look at your neighbor say, it's good to be an overcomer. That was weak. Let's try that again. Say, it's good to be an overcomer. Hallelujah. The scripture says in 1 John 5, verse 4, says, Whatever, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Verse 5, please. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Look at your neighbor and say, do you know Jesus? Amen. Now, if you know Jesus, that makes you an overcomer. You may say, well, I don't feel like an overcomer, but you're an overcomer. That's part of your identity, praise God. 1 John 4 and 4 says this, You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. Isn't it good to know that you got seeds of greatness on the inside? Amen? Why? Because greater is He who's in you than he who's in the world. Let's go back to chapter 5, verse 4, please. Put that up real quick. Amen. It says this, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And what we have spent the time uh, this year is spending a lot of time talking about all that which has been born of God. Not only are you born of God, but the Word of God, the, the Spirit of God, amen, the armor of God, amen. These are all things that are birthed out of God, amen. And all of it has uh, the DNA that's threaded in it is overcoming power, praise God, amen. Now, so we have been leaning on every, each week, coming at it from a different angle and leaning into God to grab hold, amen, of the fact that we are overcomers. We don't sit and cope with life. We conquer life, praise God. We don't just let life happen to us, praise God. We learn how to take our stand and live life the way we should, praise God. Amen? Praise God. The word overcomer, by the way, means uh, to subdue, to conquer, to prevail, excuse me, to prevail, to gain or get a, a decisive victory, praise God. Amen. It is the word nikeo, all right? Now, the word victory here is the word Nike, all right? That's like Nike shoes. This is where they got this, all right? Nike, victory. It means a conquest, a triumph. It means a means or the means of success, the means of a breakthrough or progress. Now, the reason I said that and the reason we're spending just a few minutes on this is because your means of success, your means of victory is what? Your faith, all right? It's your faith, the word faith, the Greek word pistis, which means uh, to believe or your believing or your trust or your reliance, your dependence on God. In other words, how do you gain a victory? By believing that you're victorious. How do you gain a victory? By putting your trust in the one who makes you victorious, by relying and depending on the one who makes you victorious. Come on, somebody. But you have to believe that you're victorious. Amen. A lot of people just move along in life and they, let, they just let life overtake them. And they just assume that's the way it is. Not in God. Amen. In God, we're overcomers. In God, we're conquerors. Praise God. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, conquer. 
Hallelujah. We are conquerors, praise God. So with that said, amen, we're called uh, to believe. Our faith, our believing, amen, and we're to keep believing. Still with me? Now I'm kind of just trying to save a few minutes here. So let's go, uh, let's go to uh, Mark chapter 9. Put that on the board, if you will. Mark 9. In fact, I'll go ahead and turn to it too, I guess. Mark 9. Hallelujah. Let's, let's talk about this thing about believing. Amen. Hallelujah. What does it mean to believe? Amen. Now, how many know that Jesus gave us permission to believe for the impossible? Amen. He gave us permission to believe for the impossible. Now, you say, well, why, why are we going on this? Because, you, you know, to overcome an area in your life, you may, you, may, uh, you may be looking at it thinking, there's just no way I can overcome this thing. There's no way I could, I could make this part of my life different. There's no way that this can happen in my life. For whatever reasons, there's all kinds of reasons, but we have a tendency sometimes to take those reasons and to justify uh, our thinking uh, into thinking that, that this is just the way it is for me. You know, my dad was this way and his dad was this way, so I'm going to probably be this way or something. We all have different reasonings. But Jesus said nothing's impossible. Come on. Jesus said to him, this is talking to a, a father here. We'll explain it here in a minute. He said, if you can believe, if you can believe, amen, all things are possible to him who believes. Well, how many believers have we got in the house today? All right, how many are going to heaven? All right, it looked like most hands went up. Amen. Uh, so if, you're, if you could believe, you know, in, in a Lord and Savior, knowing that one day you're going to make heaven your home, even though maybe you've never been there. Now, maybe some people have. We, got, we have, you know, testimony of people sometimes who have had an out-of-body experience or they, they went to, you know, they, maybe they, through whatever, they ended up and had a revelation or a revealing of heaven itself, and it does happen. But most people, most, most believers have never seen heaven. We've, we've kind of just got the idea what heaven should be based on the Scriptures. And we all have this, uh, at least we all, for the most part, agree with this, that heaven's probably going to be a pretty cool place. That's probably an understatement. But nevertheless, you as a believer can believe that one day you're going to make heaven your home, even though you've never seen it. So here's the thought. If you could believe that, you should be able to believe about anything else. So if he says you can overcome something, you can overcome it. Amen. Amen. And so we're going to talk today about this believing, amen, that all things are possible thing. Now, in context, he's talking to a father who brought his son who is, was having epileptic seizures. And so he brought his son to these disciples of Jesus. And so he, he brings them, and, and they, you know, you know, they prayed for him, and they didn't get any results. And, and he was you know, kind of distraught by the whole thing. And then there was this commotion happened between the religious rulers and the disciples and the fathers. You know, they're all just trying to figure out why it worked and why it didn't work and, and how it works and how it don't work. And everybody just kind of gets into those kind of you know, little debates and things. And that's really all that was going on. And so Jesus shows up. And basically said, what's going on? All right? And so the father, you know, comes up and says, well, here's the deal. I brought my, my boy to be delivered, uh, to be prayed for, and your disciples uh, really couldn't get the job done. So I brought him here to you, and uh, if you can do anything, then heal my boy. 
Well, Jesus didn't stand back and say, oh, boy, you know, just hang on. You know, don't get too worked up here. What did he do? He said, no, the question is this. If you can believe. See, the question never is whether Jesus can do it or not, whether the Father can do it or not. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think. But he said, it's according to something. What? To what's working in you. So if you can believe it, you can have it. Because nothing's impossible. So Jesus is making it clear. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Amen. So, praise God. Let's talk about this believing. Amen. Because if we can believe, we can get our breakthrough. If we can believe, we can get our answer. If we can believe, we can overcome anything, praise God. No matter what we've been dealing with over the years, no matter how big it looks, no matter what uh, has been staring, staring you down for years, it doesn't matter what it is. In God, you can overcome anything, praise God. Hallelujah. We just got to get you to believe and to stay in a place where you remain believing, amen, till you get your answer, praise God. Are you still with me? All right, praise God. So with that said, praise God, go to, uh, to Mark chapter 5. Let's go to Mark 5. And what I want to do today is I want to talk about some of these things that sometimes get, into the, get in the way or hindrances to us believing, okay? That's all. Because sometimes if we can kind of just take a look at it and see it for what it is, uh, we can actually get, get past it, praise God. Amen. So, here we go. Mark 5. And uh, let's see here. Let's go to, um, I think what I want to do first is, uh, well, let's just do it. Verse 21 is fine. It says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great uh, multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came. His name was Jairus, all right? Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. In other words, he fell at Jesus' feet, all right? So this is a religious leader here, all right? He obviously didn't care what anybody else thought because, you know, it's amazing when you have a need like this, how you'll go ahead and not worry about what anybody else thinks. Come on, somebody. So the rest of the religious rulers, you know, had a, had a problem with Jesus. Well, obviously, Jairus knew that there was results from this man. So I am going to go and take my need to this man. Hopefully, praise God, we'll get some change here. Amen. So he said, he said to Jesus, he says, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come, here we go. He's releasing faith. He's believing. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed. And look at this. And she will live. How many of us are pretty good? All right, now verse 24. So Jesus went with him. Why? Because this man's believing. So Jesus, here he is, you know, walking through the streets. Here comes a man, says this, and all of a sudden, praise God, he shifted, shifted gears. Now he's turning and heading toward Jairus's house. So, when, so Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him, which means they're all, everybody's trying to touch him. Everybody's, you know, Touching him as he walks by because it's, it's, like a, it's like a famous person came to town. People still do this kind of stuff. Everybody gets goofy. They hang around somebody and all of a sudden this famous person's standing next to you and everybody just somehow wants a picture, or wants a selfie, wants to touch them. Come on, somebody. People are people. It was no different then than it is now. Come on, somebody. Except they just didn't have selfies. 
But, if, but if they would have had them, they would have used them. Yeah. Amen. Everybody would have got a picture with him. All right. So anyway, so they're thronging him. All right. Verse 25. So now a certain woman had a flow of blood uh, for 12 years, all right, having uh, physical issues here, all right, verse 26, and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she, she had and was no better, but rather grew worse, okay, the full story here, verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, okay, for she said, this is what she said, so this was her faith being released, if only I may touch his clothes, I, I shall be made well. All right, verse 29, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the, of the affliction, verse 30. And Jesus immediately knowing, okay, he knew, amen, he knew this when it happened. He didn't know all the, he just knew something happened. Himself, he knew in himself that power had gone out of him. So he turned around in the crowd. Everybody say turned around. Everything said for a reason. Remember now, he's, he's in the city, the, he's, people are thronging him, people are around him, he's, everybody wants a piece of him, so he's going, somebody comes up and says, my daughter's dying, if you will come, I know she'll be made well, okay, lead the way. So he's following Jairus, all right, this thing happens now with the woman, with the issue of blood, he stops, he turns, because something happened, somebody drew, drew on faith, come on somebody, somebody released faith and drew on power, come on somebody, are we still right? So he said, who touched me? Right? Who touched my clothes? All right, verse 31. But the disciples said to him, dude. Everybody's touching you. You see the multitude throng and you say, who touched me? Everybody's touching you. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. So obviously he figured it out. Come on. Right? But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what, what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Okay? Now, what's going on right now? Come on, everybody. Come on. There's just the whole story. There's, you know, so he's heading to Jairus' house. Somebody touched him. Bang. Stops. Okay, now he's, okay, who touched? Oh, blah, 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 blah. Okay, now she's going through the story. Where's Jairus? Waiting behind. Now, come on, we know the story. Waiting behind, right? Okay, so verse 34, please. Okay? And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. So we got a deep enough conversation that now, not only is she telling the story, now he takes a minute and begins to minister to her, letting her know that it was her faith that did the job. She believed and she received. She believed and she received. You believed and what you believed for, you received. Right? Come on. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Verse 35. All right? Come on now. Remember, he's talking to her while he was still speaking. Some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, Your daughter is now dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Pretty serious news. Right? Come on now. Verse, uh, next verse, please. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken... Back to verse 35 again. While he was still speaking, daughter, you're, you're healed of your affliction. While that's going on, somebody's now talking to Jairus who's standing behind him, letting him know the news. Okay? So he's, he, as soon as he says, you know, you're free, amen, you're, you're free of your affliction, go in peace, Immediately he turns in, verse 36, 
Come on. He immediately turns before Jairus has a moment to say anything. All he's done is heard the news. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Why? Because this, this fear thing can get in the way. Are you still with me? Fear has a tendency to get in the way. Sometimes, you know, we say, well, I just don't know. You know, I've been trying. I've been believing God for this thing, trying to get past this thing. And, and, uh, but what happens is sometimes this, this thing called fear kind of gets in the way. And it isn't just fear. I want to kind of define something here, okay? He looks at me and says, do not be afraid. Only, only, only. Sometimes the only thing, the only thing that's hanging you up is this only, 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 only believe. Hello, somebody. See, sometimes there's all these other things are happening and, and no, 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 no more fear, none of that mess. Only believe. Do what it takes to keep yourself in a place of believing and you'll get your results. The cool thing about this is he basically, you notice Jairus didn't say another word. Because that might have been messed it up. Come on, somebody. Come on now. Well, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But the bottom line is, amen, uh, this thing can mess it up. The word fear itself, okay, means afraid or terror, dread, timidity, anxiety. All these are synonyms to this word fear, okay? Get this. Fear is also defined as an emotion excited by expectation of evil. Everybody say an emotion. That's pretty key. Now, fear, according to 1 John, fear involves torment, okay? Or harassment or anguish or torture, okay? Fear isn't, here we go, it's defined as fear is an uneasiness of mind upon the thought of future evil likely to befall us, all right? Now, it is an emotion excited by expectation of evil. Now, the reason I bring it up this way in the area of emotion is because it isn't just fear sometimes that gets in the way, but I guarantee you the emotions can get in the way of your breakthrough. Are you still with me? Sometimes it isn't your initial action of faith, your initial action of believing for something. Sometimes it's the reactions that hang us up. So you're trying to believe to overcome, and you're standing, but based on, on the things that are happening and going on, your emotions sometimes try to get the best of you. Now, emotions are wonderful when they're in check. It's good to be emotional when you're loving God and praising and worshiping, having fun, riding the roller coaster. Woo! But sometimes them emotions, if you don't keep them in check, they'll start dictating. And what happens is one minute you're believing and the next minute you're not. You've unplugged your believer, so to speak, because the emotions now are taking over. There have been more breakthroughs and miracles lost based on emotions. Instead of keeping yourself in check, staying in a place of believing. Can I hear a big amen? Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible. To him who believes. Jairus, no fear, buddy. Don't be afraid right now.
the boy got it, obviously. Didn't say another word. Jesus now is now back walking with Jairus. Amen. Heads to the house. Praise God. Amen. And they get themselves a breakthrough. Come on, somebody. Amen. Only believe. Look at your neighbor and say, only believe. Hallelujah. Listen, when you got opportunities, when the emotions try to dictate, you start taking authority over that. Amen. Emotions, when they're in check, they're wonderful. But when they're not in check, they can mess you up. Is anybody hearing me? Oh, hallelujah. Emotions. So that can be one thing that gets in the way. Go to John 20, please. John 20. I'll skip a couple verses here, but let's go to John 20. Let's look at another thing here. Hindrances. Okay, one can be emotions. Okay, how about this? John 20, and let's go to verse 24, all right? We doing all right? John 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, called the twin, uh, one of the twelve, uh, was not with him when Jesus had, uh, had came earlier, okay? And, and the other disciples therefore said to him, said to Thomas, uh, we have seen the Lord. Um, so he said to them, unless I see, everybody say see, unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and, and, and feel, or in other words, I put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side where he was cut, Right? I will not believe. Everybody say, only believe. <laughs> all right, all right. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them, and Jesus came, the doors being shut. Obviously, the doors didn't matter at this time. Come on, in a glorified state, whatever. And stood in the midst and said, peace to you. And he then turns to Thomas. He said, hey, Thomas, reach your finger right here. Look at my hands. Reach your, reach your hand right here and put it in my side. And he said this, do not be unbelieving, but believing. See, you can be unbelieving as a believer. Thomas wasn't an unbelieving person all the time, but when it came time to this particular thing, he was unbelieving of it unless he could see or feel, come on now, sometimes it ain't just the emotion, sometimes it's the senses. Sometimes the senses mess us up. What we see, hear, smell, touch, feel, or whatever. Amen. So what happens, sometimes the senses get in the way. You're trying to press through for a breakthrough to overcome something, but we get more moved by the senses. Is anybody hearing me? Listen, if, if, if you don't watch it, you, 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 you take what's going on and you justify your thoughts into thinking, well, you just don't understand it. Uh, you know, look. Here. Can't you, can't you feel this? And what happens is now is you, you've cut off your believing and now crossed over into a place of unbelieving. And you're wanting, to, you're wanting to overcome or wanting to break through in something. And the whole time you're more moved by how it feels or how it looks. You can go look. Sometimes, listen, you can go look in a mirror and that mirror be just riddled with unbelief. Yeah. 
Sometimes it ain't worth looking in the mirror. Come on, somebody. If you're going to get in any mirror, you get in the mirror of God's Word. Come on, somebody. Look at this mirror. Amen. Are you still with me? The senses can mess you up sometimes. Amen. 2 Kings and 7, uh, the, this is when the city was, was locked down. And, and uh, this is the story where the, the four lepers, you know, go out there to the army. And they ended up, the army runs away because they thought they heard an army coming. It was just four lepers. But the point being is in verse 2, an officer who, on whose hand the king leaned answered uh, the man of God. Because remember, he said, by this time tomorrow, everything that's going on right now will be completely reversed. And he said, look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And the prophet of God said this, in fact, you're not only going to see it with your own eyes, but you're, gonna, but you're not going to be able to eat of it. It's not, you're not going to be a partaker of it. Why? Because he ended up dying. The point being, okay, what lost it for him? Look, look, hey, look. Well, look, what about it? Remember, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believe. Only believe. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. But, but come on, look. Can't you hear? Didn't you hear what they said? Can't you feel this? You see what I'm saying? So the whole time, we can't overcome, we can't get a breakthrough because we're more moved by the senses. Remember, we walk by faith, not by sight. Man, sometimes that, that sight can mess you up. Sometimes you're going to have to believe God like this. Not that you run around with your eyes closed, but you get the point. Sometimes how things look, how things sound, how things feel, start dictating. And then we get mad at God why we're not getting a breakthrough, why we're not overcoming something. And it always just comes down to things like this. It isn't just emotion. Sometimes it's the senses get in the way. Amen. But if you, can, if you can learn how to walk above that, amen, and to not let the senses dictate, Amen. You'd be amazed at how much further you can get in certain things. Amen. Then all of a sudden, sure, once you get the breakthrough, now you can say, hey, look. Feel that, huh? See? Amen. But uh, sometimes the senses will mess up your answer, mess up your breakthrough, mess up the overcoming. Still with me? Whoo! Praise the Lord. Went through that one fast. That's what we should be doing. Amen. Mark 11. Let's go uh, back to Mark. Mark 11. Let's look at one here. Common text. Let's look at another thing. Mark 11, 22 says, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Of course, this is after the, the withered, uh, the fig tree deal. Uh, anyway, uh, verse 23 says this, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast. I'm in Mark 11. You there? Verse 23, whoever says, right, to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes, or say believes, that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So 
Amen. Again, believing is the key. Staying locked on where you're believing. But verse 23 says there's something that can get in the way of it. And it's a thing called doubt. Okay, doubt. So doubt can be a hindrance. So what does doubt mean? Well, the word doubt itself uh, means a wa- to waver, hesitate, to be uncertain, or to lose confidence. The word also, uh, in fact, the first definition of this word doubt, when you look it up in a concordance, it means to separate thoroughly based on something that opposes. So in other words, something's opposing, and because of it now, you were connected, now you're not connected. Okay? Now the word doubt, the Greek word for the root of this word is dis, okay, which we get our word to, again, twice, all that kind of comes out of that Greek, uh, that Greek root word. So what it's saying is this, okay, he's talking about a second thought, all right? You're believing one thing, and then all of a sudden now another thing enters, and it disengages your believing. Come on now. It causes the hesitation, a stumbling, a staggering. Come on now. You unplug based on a thing called doubt. Still with me? Come on now. Matthew, uh, put, uh, put up on the board Matthew 14 and 31. Put that one. Matthew 14 and 31. Okay, remember this? And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, this is Peter, and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Okay, remember what the story was. Okay, Jesus uh, uh, is walking on the sea. We kind of jumped to that part. They're, the boys are out in the boat. They're out there. The sea's kind of wild and rough. And Jesus is walking on the water this particular time. How many know he didn't always walk on the water? I said, how many know he didn't always walk on the water? This particular time he was walking on the water. Okay, so he's walking to his destination, all right? So he's heading there, and all of a sudden they all look, and they see, and it kind of, it you know, freaks them out a little bit. Come on now. And then he acknowledges them and lets it be know who it is. Come on. And Jesus, or, or pardon me, Peter then said, hey, if that's you, then bid me to come. Now, chances are he said it wasn't thinking. Whatever. All he knows, he saw Jesus walking on the water. He said, hey, I want to come out there to you. If it's you, bid me to come. He said, well, heck, you know, he wasn't going to lie. He said, oh, no, it ain't me. No, it is me. Come on, right? So, so what happens? Peter gets out of the boat. Remember, the weather didn't change. The weather's still the same. Still the same boat. They're still in there. They're all, the rest of them are still in the boat. He gets out of the boat, and the word says he began walking on the water. Peter was walking on the water. But then it said, he began, either began to think about what am I doing? But the point was, is he he looked and the wind was boisterous, the waves. Now the weather hadn't changed from the time you know, that he was in the boat to this moment, it's still blowing, the waves are still going, and all that, but somehow he got his focus off of Jesus, got his focus on something else, and when he did that, the word said he began to sink. So the difference there, again, right, so he is walking, he's doing, he gets his attention off, come on now, Jesus then, you know, he, well, he cries out, Jesus then reaches up and grabs him. Come on, somebody. I always, you know, I guess I can't read through this without 
thinking about this. I don't believe Jesus just drug him back to the boat. I, just, I, don't, I don't know. I just somehow have a hard time with that one. Maybe he did. Maybe he just drug him through the water. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we might, you know, someday get the, the, the replay of that and, and realize we were all wrong, you know. But, but I believe that when he grabbed him by the, you know, and, and he got focused again back on Jesus, I believe he's back up on top. Come on, somebody. Walk back to the boat. And you'd think Jesus would go, Woo! Man, you walked on the water! <laughs> nope, here's a statement. Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Because the point was this, man, you were accomplishing. You were, you were gaining ground. You were seeing things happen. You were moving things along. Sometimes, man, you might be amazed at how many people missed out on their breakthrough and their miracle because of things like this, that they allowed a second thought in, and as a result, we stumble. Come on, we stagger. Come on now. And what could have been a great miracle, a great breakthrough now, has been has fell by the wayside because of another thought. We doubted. Remember, you speak unto that mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, and not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things you declare, that, that stand of faith that you had, keep standing, keep believing, don't back down. But doubt gets in the way, and it'll cause you to stumble. Well, pastor, does that mean it's all over when I get a doubt? Well, I believe that if you realize you're doubting, because you know when you're doing it, you know when the next thought comes, you better take authority over that thought. Come on, somebody. Because here's what happened. Go to James 1. Put that one on the board. I know we're kind of skipping some verses here, but go to James 1, 6. Let him ask in faith with what? No doubting. Let him ask in faith with what? No doubting. Why? Because he who doubts... What happened? He's like a wave of the sea. He's driven and tossed by the wind. He's up, he's down, he's in, he's out. He's believing one minute, not believing the next. Verse 7. For let not that man, what man? The man that's doubting. Let not that man suppose, this is what James says. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. That's a pretty bold statement. Okay, verse 8. For he is what? A double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So a hindrance to us believing, one of them at least, is a thing called doubt. So when you start finding, you start bringing on that second thought and you, you feel yourself wavering, then that's when you start, wait a minute. I take authority over that. You lying devil, shut up. Take authority over that thought. Don't let that thought dictate your life. Amen. Sometimes just by taking authority over that, cast that thing down and keep pr pressing in, praise God. Sometimes your breakthrough is just around the corner. Yeah. Am I boring you today? But these are things that get in the way. You're trying to overcome. You're trying to conquer. You're trying to take ground in areas of your life. These are the things that get in the way that somehow knock you off your faith, that somehow or another cause you to stop believing the senses, the emotions, a thing called doubt. These are all things that get in the way sometimes. Still with me? Actually, doubt always gets in the way. 
Are you still with me? All right, let's look at another one here. Go to uh, Luke 1, please. Luke 1. Let's look at another thing. Luke 1, <clears throat> verse 37. <clears throat> For with God, nothing will be impossible. Right? Now, this is what the angel of the Lord said to Mary when the whole thing went down with the Virgin Mary and she was asked to do what she did. Amen. She had a question. Um, how is that going to happen? Right? It was actually, in a sense, it was a valid question. How, how is this going to happen? So, uh, you know, first, you know, it's explained. With God, nothing's impossible. Come on, right? Nothing's impossible. All right, with God. Everybody say with God. Everybody say with God. Now this might be kind of a, a no-brainer, but sometimes what gets in the way of us receiving or overcoming or conquering is our own abilities. We have a tendency sometimes to take a look at our own abilities. Put... Uh, is it, I think there's another one, Luke, uh, what is it, Luke um, 18. Thank you very much. Okay, this is talking to the, uh, uh, the young man that had some wealth, and he was asked to do something, and he said this, the things which are impossible, this is what Jesus said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Now, what that man was doing is looking at his own substance and thinking, I just don't know that I could actually do that, because it was about his own abilities. It was about his own strength. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Everybody say, with God. Listen, remember, we're believers who believe in God. Let's ask the question again. How many believe you're going to heaven? All seven of you. Wow. How many believe you're going to heaven? Work with me here. Okay, there's a bunch of you didn't, so you need to get saved. How many believe you're going to heaven? Thank you. All right. Now, if you can believe that one day you're going to heaven, then you can believe, I mean, if you can believe that to be out of this body means to be present with the Lord, and it's accurate, by the way, and you should believe that, by the way. All right. But if you can believe that, then you should be able to believe about anything. Right? Nothing's impossible. So you're trying to overcome something in your life. Sometimes what gets in the way is the fact that we have a tendency just to look at our own abilities or our own strength. And so that gets in the way. When all along, even what's impossible with men is still possible with God. Even though in your own strength, maybe you can't do this in your power. But in God, you can do this. If you put your faith in Him and keep believing and only believe and not be unbelieving, come on somebody, keep your emotions in check, keep your senses in check, praise God, keep the, those second thoughts in check, amen, and just keep pressing in knowing that in God I can do all things, praise God. Amen. It's not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit. Amen. I can't do this in myself. I can't do this in my own strength. Because if I could, I would. 
But in God, amen, we can do these things. When, that, when you're trying to press through and you're trying to overcome that thing, stop always looking in your abilities. It gets in the way. Still with me? All right, praise the Lord. Let's look at another one here. We'll probably wrap her, wrap her up here on this maybe. Genesis 18. Let's look at this. Genesis 18. Genesis 18. Verse, you know, I think I'll just go ahead and read it. Verse 9. Now this is, we're talking to Abraham here. <clears throat> where is uh, verse 9 of chapter 18 of Genesis? And, he, and they said to him, uh, where is Sarah, your wife? And so he said, here, here in the tent. And he said, uh, I will certainly... I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Okay, remember how the whole scenario went down here. Sarah was listening in the tent. She was behind the, the tent door, listening to everything that was going on outside the tent, the conversation that was going on, all right? Now, Abraham and Sarah were old. Hello. Okay, old. Everybody say old. old. They were old. Okay, they were old. Well advanced in age. It's a nice, nicer way to say old. I'm uh, well advanced in age. Thank you. All right. Anyway. All right. So they were old, well advanced in age. And Sarah, here we go. This is a, come on. Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. So listen, again, here we go. They were what? Old. They were well advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. So that naturally speaking, amen, when you're nearly 100 years old, it's gr we're grateful that we're not having kids. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it's another, another sermon. But anyway, um, so old, um, advanced in age, and uh, past the age of childbearing. Okay, so the conversation's going on about the fact that Sarah, your wife is going to have a child, going to actually have a child, even though she's old, advanced in age, and past the age of childbearing. Okay? So, so Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I have grown old, And advanced in years and past the age of childbearing, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old, advanced in years and past the age of childbearing? So she laughed within herself because, really? How can this happen? But we've had a whole bunch of scenarios, a whole bunch of things that have happened up to this point that proved what God said could happen, could happen. So she laughed within herself. And the Lord said, remember, she's behind the tent door hearing this whole conversation. The Lord said to Abram, why did Sarah laugh? Shall I, shall, shall I surely, or, or laugh saying, shall I surely bear a child since I'm old? Now, she didn't verbalize it, but obviously inside, that's what she said. Here's, here we go. Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
Let's try it one more time. Just, just amuse me. Act like you're actually listening. Okay, here we go. Come on. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No. no. At the appointed time, I will return to you according to, to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. And of course, she was afraid, right? She was embarrassed, busted, busted. Come on, right? And, uh, you know, didn't know what to say. She said, uh, it wasn't me. I really didn't do that. No, but you did laugh. And just for whatever it's worth, the child is called laughter. It, it just Anyway, it's just something about that just, I thought. And it actually was named before this whole scenario happened. Anyway, I just, you know, it's just how God, it's just cool. Anyway, the bottom line was she was old, advanced in years, and beyond childbearing. Natural reasoning can hang us up. To me, this just kind of sums it up. Because whether we're talking the senses, the emotions, doubt and unbelief, come on, somebody. You know, just, you know, we get more moved by these things and really our mind gets involved. Do you know that, that Im, impossible, the word impossible, let's see, I, I thought maybe I might have had it down here, maybe I didn't, but uh, the word impossible uh, means uh, that which is seen as not obtainable or thought as not, not able or not, can't be, you know, Achievable, that's it. So it's either based on, impossible is only based on how you see it or think it. That's the only thing that determines impossibility. So God's trying to get you to see, not to not be moved by how you see or how you think, but hook up to what he said. Come on. So, Sarah, you're going to have a child, but I'm old. Advanced in years and beyond childbearing. So, no, no, you're not hearing me, Lord. I'm old. Right? Come on, right? See, I mean, that's what the head was. Uh, you, you're just not hearing me. You're not, you're not hooking up with me here. We're not on the same page here. God says, I know we're not on the same page. Get on mine. Jeremiah, put that, this would be our last verse, Jeremiah 32 and 27, okay? So God says to Jeremiah, behold, I'm the Lord, I'm Jehovah, I'm the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Now, the reason I like this text, and for some that have heard me use this before, they've heard this, but... God used Jeremiah's words to answer him. Because Jeremiah started this conversation by saying, You're the Lord. There is nothing too hard for you. You're able to do this and able to do that and able to do this and even this and able to do this and able to do this. But this thing that you have asked of me, don't you know 
that these people that you have placed me around are not getting it. <laughs> and he goes, after he just gets done telling how great God is and what God can do, nothing's too hard for you, Lord. But, right, he goes through this whole story of why it can't happen. And so God just answers him. One verse, he answers him and he says, behold, stop for a second. If you're going to look at something, look at who you're talking to. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. In other words, all those other people are not moving me. Come on, somebody. I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And I think sometimes that's what we got to get a hold of. There is nothing too hard for God. Right now, my natural reasoning is trying to, is trying to dictate. I, I feel thoughts of doubt trying to come in. I, my senses are, 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 are going ballistic. My emotions are off the charts. And, and Is there anything too hard for the Lord? So all I have to do, and, and, and it really it comes down, it's just simple. All I have to do is continue to believe. I have to keep believing. Only believe. Don't, don't let the emotion, no, only believe. Only believe. Be not unbelieving. Believe. Okay. I mean, listen, this is Jesus' words. This is his words. And you think, oh, you're just not getting it, Pastor. No, 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 these are Jesus' words. Jesus didn't have to sit here and try to get your thing. He understands. He knows the word is clear on that. But he doesn't have to sit here and have to go through this analytical thing where you have to sit and analyze your situation. You know, you speak to the mountain. Tell the mountain to go. No more mountain guided tours. Come on, guided mountain tours. Come on, right? We don't need to go through all that. Just tell the mountain to go, and it'll go. Amen. Don't let the doubt in. Don't let that next thought in. Don't let your head run away with you. Come on, only believe. So if he said that you could only believe, and that nothing's impossible if you will believe, then obviously we're, there, the potential for us to believe is there. Even in the midst of all the unstableness and the circumstantial things and the, and the things that we've dealt with in the past, it's all still out there. The storm is still raging. But in the midst of all of it, we can still stay locked on and believe. One brother said it one time this way. He says, we have a billboard potential and a postage stamp thinking. We've got potential to gain ground every day of our lives, to overcome anything that comes at us. And yet we'll lock it into some natural reasoning that'll shut it down in a heartbeat. 
and we get mad at God because it didn't happen when all along we were the ones determining whether it was going to happen or not. So you and me as believers, everybody say out loud, I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a believer and not moved by my senses, by my emotions, by natural reasoning. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I refuse to doubt. I refuse to give in to my senses. I am a believer. Amen. Well, I guess I'll let the believers go today. Did you get something today? Hallelujah. Why don't you all stand up? Praise God. Hallelujah. What a good God we serve. Amen? Hallelujah. Woo! We can do all things through Christ. So whatever it is that we're up against, in Christ, we can do this. We can do this. Amen. Hallelujah. So, Father, I give you praise and I give you glory. Father, we take our stand as believers. We don't make light of all the situations. We don't, we're not ignoring the fact that there are things going on. But we do know one thing. In you, we can do all things. That in you, we can overcome. That in you, we can conquer. That in you, we can prevail. That in you, praise God, we can gain a decisive victory. And our victory, amen, our means of success is in our believing. So we choose to be believing believers. Amen. Without doubt and reasoning uh, upheaval. Hallelujah. We choose to believe you. So, Father, forgive us for the times that we've given in to things that have knocked us off our faith. We repent of that mess. We yield ourselves to you and we say, Lord, we choose to believe. And because of that, praise God, we know that you are faithful and just to forgive us. Hallelujah. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And all that mess that had kept us in bondage, we release it, we let go of it, and we move forward as believers today. And we choose you, hallelujah, in every endeavor. You're our source of strength. You're our answers, hallelujah. You're our clarity, our wisdom, hallelujah. You're our healer, our deliverer, our provider, hallelujah. There is nothing too hard for you, and for that we give you praise in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. 
We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you, praising God.